So it's actually possible to take advantage of increased volatility as an income-oriented investor by continuing to sell these put options through this market environment. Welcome to Deep Dive, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these episodes, we put our investment strategies under the microscope so you can see how they work for your clients and your practice. Today, our experts will take you under the hood of the BMO Premium Yield ETF, which trades under the ticker symbol ZPAY, ZPAY. Before we hear from our experts, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and share the episode with your professional network. Hello and welcome to the BMO ETF Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Nezel, ETF Product Specialist with BMO Global Asset Management. Well, today we're going to talk about a new income product that BMO launched in January, the BMO Premium Yield ETF, ticker ZPay. This is a really relevant strategy right now as many traditional income products are struggling in this highly volatile and ultra-low rate environment. Globally, central bank policy rates are at historic lows, and dividends are under stress as well. Companies become more and more cash-strapped. So today, to look under the hood of this alternative income strategy, ZPay, is BMO ETF Portfolio Manager and ETF Strategist, Chris McKinney. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. Thanks for having me, Danielle. Glad to be here. Chris, I'd like to start our conversation today with the idea that yield has become very difficult for investors to find right now, given the current macroeconomic environment that we're in today, where dividends aren't as stable and policy rates are at historic lows. Why would you suggest now is an important time for investors to start looking elsewhere for yield outside of the traditional income products that may have worked in the past? Yeah, I think this is something that's really been a trend for a few years now. And obviously, interest rates have been coming down really over 30 years from historic highs. But it's a trend that we've seen in the last few years where fixed income alone doesn't really meet the needs of yield-oriented investors or income-oriented investors, particularly when you're talking uh, on an after-tax basis. And so we have seen investors already shift from just holding that fixed income basket to maybe adding in some high yield or adding in preferred shares. As you mentioned, dividend-oriented equities have been popular as well as as income-oriented vehicles. And so we've seen this natural progression, this trend play out over the last few years. Certainly, we've seen it as well um, with our covered call suite of ETFs that we've offered over the last few years, investors gravitating to those, again, looking for a non-traditional source of income. Um, I I think right now, though, with the current economic environment the way it is, with yields dropping even further than where they have been, this trend is just really going to accelerate even further. You know, we have 10-year yields at all-time lows. You have to go out 20 years on the the curve in order to get even 1% from federal bonds right now. As well, you know, the Fed futures curve in, in the U.S., is starting to price in negative interest rates in the U.S., which uh, up until recently has essentially been unheard of for, for U.S. rates. And so it doesn't look like this reducing in, in interest rates is really going to be slowing down at all. 
And this zero bound that we used to think was sort of the limit might not even be the limit for, for how low rates can go. So again, given the, the current backdrop and the economic slowdown we're in, I think this trend of finding these alternative sources of yield is really just going to accelerate as investors need to have that cash flow in order to fund their needs, whether it's retirement or other cash flow needs that they might have. And and so ZPay uses a dynamic option strategy to generate this alternative yield score. So this means that it's writing calls and it's writing puts on the portfolio. So Chris, can you break down this strategy for us? So how exactly is ZPay able to generate its yield? And secondly, why does increased volatility actually help generate more income for the portfolio? Sure. And the way we structure the fund, you know, we really look at it almost as two different segments within the fund. So the first segment does have an allocation to equities, just traditional buying stocks. And we run our covered call overlay on those stocks in a very similar fashion as we do with our popular covered call ETFs. And so a portion of the fund does have that equity growth potential. And as I mentioned, we're selling covered calls on those equities. So what you're doing in that scenario is you're trading away some of the potential upside growth that these equities would provide in order for current income today. And I think a lot of investors are familiar with that. Again, very similar to what we're doing in our dedicated covered call funds. And so that's how one portion of this fund works. On the other side, what we're doing, is, as you alluded to, is we're selling put options on those very same equities that we're holding. And we're holding T-bills as collateral for those put options. Now, what happens when you sell a put option? What exactly is the obligation there? What you do when you sell a put option is you earn premium for selling that option. But it also puts an obligation on you as the investor to potentially buy that underlying stock if it sells off through a certain strike price, whatever the strike price is of that option, um, at some point during the life of that option. So let's take, for example, Apple stock. Everyone knows Apple. Currently, that stock is trading at around $318. So on the side of the portfolio where we're, we're selling put options, I would sell a put on Apple at, let's call it $285 of a strike price. That's approximately 10% lower than where Apple's trading today. So for me to sell that put option, I put aside money in T-bills to potentially buy Apple at $285 per share. So that money is set aside. And if I'm called or if I'm assigned on my put option, I have the the money there uh, to buy that Apple stock. For selling that put option, I'm going to get paid about $2.50. That works out to about 70 basis points yield on that money that I've set aside in T-bills. So I've collected 70 basis points for selling that put option, and I have cash set aside. Now, going forward over the next month, which is the life of this option contract, Apple might go up in value. It might trade sideways. It might even trade slightly down. If any of those things happen, I just keep my premium, that $2.50 that I've earned, And I call it a day and then I go and might do that again. If Apple sells off significantly and goes through that $285 price to the downside, then I'm going to get assigned on my put option and I'm going to buy that Apple stock. I still keep my $2.50 that I've earned, uh, but now I'm putting my T-bill to where I have to sell that T-bill, get cash, and then buy Apple stock with that cash. And now I'm equitized. So that's the process of selling the put options. And 
for the most part, uh, what we expect is we are just going to T-build and generate that premium selling those put options. And then, as I mentioned, if something does happen to that stock and it does start to sell off, we have the cash there to buy that stock and then it becomes equitized. Okay, and the, the, so those premiums earned, Chris, to generate yield, those are tax-efficient premiums, right? So this yield for this product is taxed capital gain. So absolutely, the premiums generated through this option-selling strategy is very tax-efficient because they're taxed as capital gains. So think about if you held a, a bond or some or other fixed-income investment, the, the income you generate off that is taxed as income and it's fully taxable. On an option... Again, that full premium is taxed as a capital gain, so it's the most favorable tax rate you can get from this income source. Going back to your previous question, how volatility impacts the value of those options, you know, implied volatility or expected volatility is the largest determinant of an option's value. And going back to that Apple example, you know, how much should that put option at $285, how much should that really be worth? What's the probability that Apple is going to sell off through that value. And so as the implied volatility or expected volatility of that underlying equity increases, the value of the options you're selling also increases. And this is something that we saw play out through the market sell-off in March earlier this year, where volatility really exploded as investors really didn't know which way the markets were going to go or, or by how much they were going to move. And so as implied volatility expanded, the amount you can generate through selling these option premiums uh, vastly increased as well. And so it's actually possible to take advantage of increased volatility as an income-oriented investor by continuing to sell these put options through this market environment. Okay, now let's look at the equity portion of the portfolio. So I know you mentioned Apple there. What kinds of stocks? are you holding in this portfolio? What kind of names are you writing these puts and calls on? That's a good question and a good point. And probably what I should mention off the top here is that in this fund, we're focusing on U.S. equities, first of all. So from a geographic landscape, we're looking at U.S. stocks, U.S. T-bills, all the options, everything is, is U.S. focused. So geographically, we're looking at, at U.S. stocks. But more specifically, when you are running this sort of strategy, the stocks that you're choosing to do this on are of utmost importance. You know, essentially what we're saying is, again, using the Apple example, we're happy to hold Apple stock. We think it's a great company. We think it's a great stock. But, you know, I'd rather just earn that income unless that stock really sells off. And so you want to be able to do this on stocks that you really want to own and, and you think have good growth potential. And so what we're really doing is looking for those quality-oriented stocks, something that we didn't think would be as apparent when we first launched this fund, the necessity behind this. But obviously, you know, launching this fund in January and then going through this experience in March and April of this year has really driven home the fact that it's quality companies you want to be exposed to, those that might have low debt and are not worried about financing um, operations, their cash-generative operations that they have, low debt, and stable earnings is really another element that we look for. One of the biggest catalysts that can move a stock's price is an earnings announcement or a surprise earning either to the upside or the downside. And so we want to mitigate that as much as possible. And we want to have uh, exposure to companies that have stable earnings streams. So we do have Apple in the portfolio, but you know a lot of those other sort of blue chip stocks that you're familiar with from the U.S. market like Alphabet, 
Microsoft, um, but also not just the tech sector, other names like Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, Nike, Costco. These are some of the companies that we want to have exposure to. As well, we want to diversify our, our exposure somewhat across different sectors. We don't want you know, all, all of our source of return coming from one sector or too concentrated. But some of the sectors we do have a lot of exposure to right now are actually very timely and very thematic. Things like uh, consumer staples, healthcare, and technology is obviously one of the largest areas that we have exposure to right now. That's the biggest sector in the U.S. market, but we think it's also one of the highest quality sectors in terms of, again, the the earning stability that you see out of these companies, as well as the low debt that a lot of these companies have. You know, when we do have significant market drawdowns and economic slowdowns like we're experiencing, you know, you want to have exposure to companies that are going to be able to ride it out and come out the other side of this just as strong as they were before. Now, Chris, we, we say that this ETF runs a dynamic option strategy. So it has the ability to change with the market environment. And I think it's safe to say that the market environment has changed drastically from when ZebPay was launched uh, just back in January. A lot has happened since then. Can you walk us through how the strategy worked during the sell-off in March and then the equity rebound in April? And how has the composition of the portfolio on both the equity and the option side changed as the market environment evolves? Sure. And I would say, you know, in let's call it normal market conditions, we would expect our this portfolio to be invested, let's just say approximately one third of the portfolio invested in equities. And again, the primary focus of this fund is to generate that tax effective cash flow through the options market. And so for the most part, we want to have a good chunk of the portfolio exposed to those short put options generating cash flow um, with only about one third invested for that growth potential. And so, you know, when we did enter the market sell off, which really started in February and then really accelerated in March, we only had about one third of the fund exposed to direct equities through February. I think that might have picked up a little bit into about 40 percent. Again, as the equity market sell-off really did start in February. And then as it really accelerated through March, the equity exposure in this fund actually peaked at over 70%, which is actually extremely high for how we've structured this fund to be. You know, Again, in normal market conditions, thinking of about one-third in equities, we would think that might go up to about 50% in normal market conditions. But in an extreme environment like we saw, it actually built up to about 70% as, again, these put options go into the money and then we are buying more stocks after they have sold off. And that really served us very well as the market did rebound strongly through April and, and we've seen some continued growth in May. And so as the market sells off, you get this buildup in equities. And then as the market has rallied back, some of those call options that we're writing on our equity positions, those go into the money. And then the stocks get sold away and the equity weight starts to come back down again. And so while we peaked somewhere around 70% in, in the equity portfolio, we've come back down now to about 50%. And so you see this is the structure really reinforces that idea of buy low, sell high. You know, this is what everyone wants to do, obviously, as an investor is buy stocks at a low price and, and sell them at a higher price. And so the structure that we've built around this fund really reinforces that, takes out a lot of the emotion of the investing, 
because I don't think there were a lot of people that were really eager to buy stocks and add to their equity weights in mid-March as, as markets were melting down. But that's exactly what this strategy did is that, again, we had some exposure to equities. And so as the market starts to sell off, you're, you're better off than an equity fund would be because you're not fully invested. But then as equity markets sell off and equities get more and more attractive from a valuation standpoint, this structure really reinforces buying those equities, putting those T-bills to work into the stock portfolio. And then as they do rebound, again, that concept of selling high. As equities start to move back up, you're taking your money back off the table. We're reallocating it back into the the T-bill side of the portfolio and then selling those put options again to generate premium. So we've really seen a nice flow of how this portfolio was designed to work. Again, we didn't think it would actually go through such an extreme event at the time we launched it in January, but it's actually proven to do exactly what we wanted it to. I think I'd be happy to have more normal times where I'm just generating that 9% premium on my put options and and keeping everything in T-bills. You know, that sounds like a very attractive proposition on its own, but it does reinforce, again, the fact that when there is volatility, this type of portfolio is able to take advantage of that through that dynamic allocation to equities and also through that increased premium that we're able to generate out of the options market. Well, that's great. So Zed paid just to summarize, we have a defensive income strategy. So it's providing yield without excessive risk. And I looked this morning, the annualized distribution right now is 6%. So uh, that, that's a very healthy yield. The buy low, sell high ability of the equity portion allows for some market exposure. But again, as you mentioned, a defensive stance, especially like prior to the sell-off, is only about 30-35% long exposure. And the ability to take advantage of market volatility, I think that's a, a really big thing, especially now in a strategy that can make use of volatility is very, very relevant. ZedPay was deliberately designed to provide income-oriented investors sufficient yield without having to take on undue risk. And Chris, as, as you've shown us and as you've explained, it looks like this product is doing exactly what it was designed to do. Thanks so much, Chris, for taking the time today to talk through this ETF with us. Great, and thanks again for having me. Glad to be here and glad to discuss this strategy and why it's right for those income-oriented investors. Well, that's it for today. For more information on ZPay or any of the BMO ETFs, visit our ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Thanks for joining us. Thank you to Danielle Nessel, BMO Product Manager, and Chris McKinney, Portfolio Manager, for joining us on Deep Dive, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to tune in to our weekly Views from the Desk episodes, available each Thursday morning where you'll hear timely market commentary, insights, and innovative ETF trade ideas. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio manager represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment tax or legal advice to any party. Investment should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statements that necessarily depend on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. 